On the last day of January, hundreds of McGill students went on strike from their department's classes in a show of resistance against the Quebec government's tuition hike. Hello, my name is Andrew Wei. Welcome to the McGill International Review podcast. From Wednesday, January 31st to Friday, February 2nd, students from three McGill departments joined over 11,000 Concordia students in striking from class. Three department councils, the McGill Undergraduate Geography Society, the Religious Studies Undergraduate Society, and the Student Association of SSS, which stands for Sustainability, Science, and Society, all received authorization from their students in General Assembly votes to refuse to attend classes for the three-day period. This is, of course, in response to the tuition hike that will see McGill and Concordia tuition increase by 33% for out-of-province students. The government will also require students to attain French at a level and pace that McGill President Deep Saini says is academically and technically unrealistic. McGill has already seen the ramifications of the announced hike. There has been a 20% drop in applications from outside of Quebec this year. I was fortunate to speak with students participating in the strike for this podcast. In this episode, you'll hear my conversation with picketers outside of one geography class. You'll also hear a discussion with geography and religious studies student leaders and their perspectives on the goals and accomplishments of the strike. I would also like to disclose that I am a geography student and I am part of the constituency of the McGill Undergraduate Geography Society. During the three days, participating students refused to attend their religious studies and geography classes. The department councils also organized picket lines outside of classrooms to educate the students unaware of the strike. The picket lines typically included signage, handing out pamphlets, and standing in front of the classroom doors. The goals of the picket lines were to convince students in the class to act in solidarity with the strike and to not enter the classroom. Stations were also set up in the Burnside lobby and outside of Burks, the home bases of geography and religious studies, to spread awareness about the strike. Over the course of the three days, several professors opted to cancel classes in support of the strike. Other professors moved classes online. Geography picket lines successfully turn away the majority of students for most classes, resulting in zero to single-digit turnout in many geography classes. This was all organized in tandem with Concordia University's Student Society, which saw 11,000 students across 13 departments strike over the three-day period. Early Thursday morning, which was the second day of the strike, I went to the classroom of an 835 geography class to chat with the picketers outside. It is 8.25 on Thursday. Uh, can you let us know your name and your program? Hi, my name's Jackie and I'm in Urban Studies in Geography. Uh, what is your name and program? Emily Hardy. Um, I'm a U2 student in Geography and Philosophy. There were four picketers present, all wearing the signature red squares as a symbol of Quebec student activism. They stood in front of the door, they held signs, which were in both English and French, and handed out pamphlets about the goals, motivations, and information on the three-day strike. We stand in solidarity for students, for future students um, who are currently facing the tuition hike for, for the upcoming semester and the upcoming years. It looks like we have some people coming in right now. As we chatted, students in the class began trickling in. However, it seemed that most students in the class were already aware of the strike and opted not to come at all. Around two dozen students arrived in person over the 20-minute period, and the picketers handed them pamphlets and explained the motivation of the strike. Most left immediately, some stayed and asked questions about the strike, but no students crossed the picket line. We barred the door with our bodies, um, and then for any students that came up to us, we, were, we informed them about what was going on, gave them pamphlets, kind of uh, let them know about the cause. We had a couple students who, it was good, they were, they were questioning us and questioning our tactics, and 
the the point of all this um but we made sure to we we had answers to them we made sure to empathize with them and understand where they were coming from and return with some pretty good responses by 8 45 10 minutes after the class was supposed to start there were no students in the classroom the professor opted not to cross the picket line either stating they would only cross if students were inside and seeing no students attend the class the professor canceled the lecture entirely Picket line was successful. We got the class canceled, and the prof said that they would not cross the picket line if none of the other students did and none of these students did, so we were um, very successful in that. We did have some uh, debates with the, um, some of the students and have conversations about why strikes are effective and kind of the demands of the strike, um, why tuition hikes is going to cause um, an extremely detrimental effect on both McGill but also the out-of-province students and international students that are trying to access uh, education here in McGill. Other geography classes had mostly the same experience in attendance and pickets, although some professors did carry through with their lecture to a much smaller audience than usual. But in all geography classes, the majority of students opted not to attend. On Saturday, after the strike concluded, I had the opportunity to speak with three students deeply involved in organizing the three-department strike. Here is our conversation. I am joined by three students who were deeply involved with the strike from the past few days, and I am so excited to talk with all three of you. So before we get started, we can just go around and you can introduce yourselves and your role in the strike. Uh, we can start with Emma. Hi, my name is Emma Reddy, and I'm the co-president of the McGill Undergraduate Geography Society. I helped organize the General Assembly, prepared for the strike, and helped the strike kind of carry itself out, too. My name's Stefan, Stefan Papuk, and uh, I am a member um, of the Geography Undergraduate Student Society, um, and I was quite involved with the second assembly, General Assembly, that we had, um, trying to create more content and information to be able to give to other students to get informed about the assembly and what strikes we're trying to do on campus and what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Hi, and I'm Rianne Passad. Um, I'm from RSUS, the Religious Studies Undergraduate Society. And I was involved in um, uh, planning the GA and uh, involved with carrying out the strike itself. All right, fantastic. And as I understand, uh, getting to the three-day strike had quite a bit of planning and um, processes ahead of time. So I'd love to start there and just understand how the strike came to be. And as I understand, in order for a department to go on strike, first the department student council needs to hold a general assembly where students can vote on whether departments should go on strike in the first place. And can you just tell us about the initial planning for the GA vote for the Geography Students Association and the coordination with uh, SMU and Concordia to hold your GA? Yeah. So we were approached by a few students just asking if we can hold a general assembly um, to talk about the strike because it was something of interest in our community. And we actually hosted one, like, I think on the 23rd of January, but we didn't reach quorum. So we weren't able to um, vote on our motion. And then after that, we decided to host another general assembly. Um, and we put a lot more planning in advertising it so that we were able to reach enough people. Um, of course, to get quorum and then to be able to vote on the assembly. But the problem that we kind of had was Mugs doesn't have anything in their constitution about general assemblies. So we were kind of trying to make the process as like streamlined as possible so that in the future, when we do host other general assemblies, we had something to kind of go back to. After enough advertisement and everything, we were able to reach quorum and then vote on our motion. 
And Stefan, I know that you had mentioned you were involved with planning that second GA to get enough students to attend. I was wondering if you can speak a bit more on kind of your strategies for how you're able to get so many students to be interested in attending a student you know, departmental council meeting, because I do imagine that has to be kind of difficult to get so many students there. Yeah, it absolutely was. And that was definitely uh, something that we thought of moving from the first general assembly. And the fact that we weren't able to reach quorum is kind of figuring out the strategies in, you know, getting more people um, hearing about what we're trying to do. But one thing that we noticed that was really challenging is not only just getting the numbers, but getting people to really truly understand what we're trying to do. Um, even though it may sound very obvious and simple for us who are very involved in this, what we're trying to achieve, many students don't really know how this impacts them. So a lot of the planning process of getting people to attend our second general assembly really like it was really centered around getting people informed of what the tuition hikes really mean for them and for future students. So it really did center around the issues of um, you know, educational equity, making sure that people were very well aware of what it meant if certain students are completely unable to attend because of the financial barrier um, and how that will change the dynamics of the, um, the social demographics of the school and also the other implications um, when it comes to, you know, smaller budgets, decreasing staff, um, things of that nature. So um, in terms of the process, it was one way to engage with students was to create, we, we thought of creating some videos that were both informative and explanatory, but also fun. Like student voting is just not where it really should be. And maybe that's a separate conversation to have. But given that we knew that 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 circumstance, we really tried to appeal to them through means that would be more attractive in, in bringing people to our cause and informing them about what we're trying to do. Got it. And Rianne, can you give us um, the perspective from religious studies of how, well, first off, why uh, RSUS decided to hold that general assembly and how are you able to get so many students to be interested to be able to attend your GA? Yeah, um, so I think we were in a good position um, in terms of that we were a very small uh, uh, department. Religious studies is also a department mostly made out of international and out of province students. And it's quite a diverse program as well because of that makeup. And that's what really makes it a very like valuable um, community of learning is because of all these people coming from uh, different parts of the world to study together. Um, so I think that kind of helped um, many students knowing that they potentially wouldn't be there if they were starting McGill next year, for instance. There were talks, you know, in religious studies, many of our execs um, were uh, very against these tuition hikes. And then when we were invited to a meeting um, hosted by uh, SMU External Affairs, uh, me and another exec went and we sort of discussed the strike and how this would, you know, um, the process of uh, going on strike and and what this would do in terms of like um, raising awareness and hopefully having some sort of financial impact on the government. Um, and uh, we agreed as execs that we were definitely interested in being involved. So yeah, we're in good, a good position and we are the first um, McGill uh, Student Society to go on strike. We really reached out to like history and classics and East Asian studies and all of these, you know, other sort of similarly placed departments, which would be uh, threatened by these um, tuition hikes uh, because they do have a lot of international and out of province students um, and not as much funding as larger programs. Um, but uh, unfortunately, that didn't. We didn't have quite the ripple effect that we wanted. Mm -hmm. Got it. 
the three departments all had some time between the vote and the strikes itself. So I was wondering kind of what you did to get organized, get the word out there and stuff like that. And maybe Rianne, you can get us started. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So after the, um, the general assembly, we had, yeah, I think about a week to prepare. Um, uh, so I think mostly what we were doing during that week is making sure everyone was completely aware of what was going to happen. Um, we sent out emails to all of the faculty and staff and all of the students. Um, we had like multiple Instagram posts as well. Um, and we were sharing some mugs content as well. We did love that reel. Um, uh, and just trying to make sure that there's going to be like as little surprises as possible. Um, so everyone's completely aware. We were very happy with the response from most of the faculty and staff of religious studies, um, which just made our lives so much easier and made the whole strike go so much more smoothly. Um, most of the faculty you know, knew exactly how much these uh, tuition hikes would impact um, their, uh, uh, you know, their jobs and um, the, the future of the School of Religious Studies. Um, so most were very um, supportive. And I'd say the majority of teachers um, offered to cancel their classes over those three days, which was great. Mm -hmm. And what about on the geography side, what exactly did uh, your strike entail? And what were your strategies of getting the word out, uh, getting picketers, and everything like that over the few, uh, three days? Yeah, so we, on the other hand, had approximately one day between GA vote and strike commence. So I had, along with a couple other students that were um, pretty involved in like the strike preparation, gone to Concordia for one of their like weekly strike meetings that they've been having. Um, and that really helped because you got to see like the amount of energy that they had. They were super organized. They had a large team of people that were very involved. So we kind of got some ideas from them, but obviously we had to take everything down on like a much smaller scale. Um, and I'd say we had about like a group of like 10 to 15 core students that were involved in picketing every class, um, which was definitely probably not. And uh, like ideally, obviously, we'd have as many people as possible, but we were able to kind of make do and essentially because soft picketing is you don't block the doorways, whereas hard picketing, like you can block the doorways. And obviously, you're not really ever touching anybody. If they want to go through, they're allowed to go through. But we were able to kind of block the doorways so that we could talk to people as they're entering um, and hopefully turn as many away as possible. So, yeah, in terms of like preparation we were lucky to have some like smooth people print out pamphlets and posters and flyers and things. So we were putting those up. We tabled in Burnside lobby for the, the full three days. So people coming in, even if they weren't in geography, were able to talk to us um, or we would just go up and talk to them as they waited for the elevator. And we like, just posted a lot on social media as well. Concordia has some really good like infographics, especially from their geography society. Um, so we were able to repost those, which was great. And again, just like kind of get the word out there for what we were doing. And Ren had said that uh, on religious studies, there were a lot of uh, su support and cooperation from the religious studies professors in casting those classes and being supportive of um, the strike. So I was wondering for geography, did you find a similar amount of support and did you find that like professors or cooperative or casting classes or what measures they took to um, respond to the strike? 
Yeah, like we had right after our, we voted on striking, we had emailed the professors, letting them know what was going on, asking them to cancel class kind of in solidarity. And it was kind of a case by case basis. I'd say we had some pr like pretty, pretty good support, but a lot of their um, reasonings for not canceling class was um, that they had students that were either not in geography or that just wanted to attend class and that they had a responsibility as professors to teach the class for them because it's, you know, they didn't vote on it. So we definitely encountered a bit of that, but I'd say most professors were very accommodating for those people that went on strike. They were recording their classes or pushing back assignments, which was great. And a lot of the times too, if they didn't cancel class, they at least let us make an announcement where we could have like kind of Q and A's almost with the students um, and answer some questions, which was great just again to, to like have that conversation with people that maybe weren't attending the general assembly. I think it would have been great also, like, we just had, again, we had like a day to kind of plan right. everything. So ideally, in an ideal world, we would have had more time to actually talk to all of the professors, rather than just kind of sending them an email Monday night at 10pm and saying, hey, please, you know, support us. So we, we, again, with more time, I think we would have just been able to, like, talk through things more. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, I understand. And then so I guess just overall looking at the strike uh, now that it's passed, and we can start with geography uh, side, would you say that most students were respectful of picket lines and not crossing those pickets? Yeah, I'd say so for sure. We had, I want to say like the majority of classes were either canceled or had very low attendance. We did have like a couple of those large, like half geog, half non-geog classes, which were a lot harder. Um, just because again, like the students weren't aware of it. So maybe we're a little bit more reluctant to actually like skip class basically. Um, but I'd say ultimately, like we did have a, a success in terms of not getting students to attend classes, which was great to see even on kind of like that limited time. It's like the geography department is, I would say, pretty tight knit, like pretty close. It's not the biggest department, but there still are like 470 students or so. So it's, but because most of the classes occur in one building, which is Burnside, um, I'd say like we were able to catch most people that were coming in, you know, talk to them that way. So even if they weren't aware via like email or Instagram, they could hopefully like talk to us in person. So and with religious studies, and how effective do you think the the strikes and the pickets were? Would you say it like were you able to get most students to respect the picket lines and avoid going to class? How would you kind of um, view your uh, your strike? Um, unfortunately, when it came to the classes that we did have to picket because they weren't canceled. In terms of getting picketers, I feel like that's maybe what we could have done better at is ask is like trying to get um a picketing team assembled earlier than we did because by the time the strike came around um we were kind of you know sending out this uh form like the night before or something and um we didn't get really as much engagement with students wanting to picket as we would like yeah so we had a lot of students um just kind of go past us um uh you know but at least we like spread that awareness um especially for like the really big classes like the you know 200 plus uh student classes which are mostly filled with uh, elective students 
who have never, you know, gotten an email from us and they don't follow us on Instagram. They have no idea this is happening. So yeah, those students were often the first ones to just kind of like go through being like, okay, we don't really care. But at least now they know um, that this strike was happening, that there is um, a sort of uh, effort to fight back against these tuition hikes, that maybe, you know, that these tuition hikes aren't set in stone, something to just accept, but something that is possible to fight. And we thank you so much to like Muggs and Smoo External <laughs> Affairs. Muggs was fabulous. Um, they like lent us picketers for some of the larger classes. And, you know, they helped like stand outside of the Burks building and hand out flyers and uh, just like s- sort of spread that awareness and uh, just add more bodies and add more life to it. Religious studies is a bit of an interesting department in terms of picketing because we are a very small department, but we have many classes. But some of those classes have two people in them. So yeah, that was kind of a a realization. There's a lot of classes, but maybe we don't need to focus on picketing every single one. Uh, And also just the amount of elective students uh, for the big classes, it's mostly students taking classes as elective. So they've also haven't um, received any information about the strike. So yeah Mm -hmm. a lot to learn (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it must have been a huge like added difficulty of religious studies being like a smaller department but then having some like massive like 200 level classes where I imagine the majority of students are like not actually in religious studies right Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and I think ultimately it's important to recognize like the context here most of us had very little time to really prepare for these um for these protests and these you know our strikes so you know, given the time that we've had in preparation and gathering resources and reaching out to professors, educating other students throughout our various classes, especially as we kind of discussed your classes that are a mix of various programs. Um, and I do want to acknowledge how substantial our impact has been so far. Uh, we have been able to create an impact and we've left lots of students much better educated about the situation. And I think we're in a very different stage now than even when we were two weeks ago. Um, I think moving into like the future and preparation for future strikes, I think we have a much stronger foundation, understanding how students, um, what students think about when, when, when it comes to, you know, seeing a protest, um, and also from that perspective of professors, so understanding their concerns, what they see. So I think, yeah, while maybe 470 plus, you know, 60 students isn't, you know, earth shattering, especially when we consider what Concordia has been able to achieve, um, I think it's incredibly important to recognize we've been able to achieve substantial results. And so I think that is what motivates us to keep going further. Mm-hmm. That's very well put. Um, one of the big questions I know about this strike uh, and that a lot of people have been asking is what exactly can like refusing to go to school actually accomplish in terms of tuition strikes? Um, a lot of people are wondering what exactly is refusing to go to McGill classes going to accomplish? I know I've heard certainly heard that conversation myself in Burnside over the last few days. So I was wondering what you would say uh, to that question. Oh, I just want to say we did encounter that question many times um, from students and professors. Student strikes are a little bit harder to conceptualize compared to like a labor strike where it's very obvious that you're withholding your labor from that corporation or whatever um and you're 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 refusing to work for that company um we've had like professors and students say why strike against your own education why strike against mcgill and we we're really trying to um 
spread that message that this is not a strike against McGill. This is not a strike against religious studies. This is a strike in favor for, you know, um, religious studies and McGill as a whole. Um, and that the only people who are striking against is the government. Um, and the fact that this isn't a private institution as well. I think a lot of students are maybe coming from a, a United States context where they understand universities as um, private um, and all of their funding um, coming from the like the private university, um, which is not the case here when so much of the funding comes from the government. Um, so I think, yeah, just trying to like get that understanding of um, what a strike is and how it does make an impact and also just the, 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 the I guess the idea of having this three-day strike it represents like the promise of like an unlimited general strike like what happened in 2012 um which hopefully would you know strike a, a sort of sense of dread in the government and um and uh might uh listen to us more and what yeah. um Rihanna was talking about with the like unlimited general strike or the general strike general unlimited strike was like the Quebec government, the provincial government subsidizes tuition to the tune of like $11,000 per student, I believe. Um, so it's, they, they stand to lose a lot of money if a general unlimited strike happens because, you know, finals could be pushed back. They might need to add days to the semester or like obviously in extreme cases, cancel a semester altogether, which has happened in like Quebec's history. Um, so they, that's, that's where that financial aspect comes into play because everything in like politics is also about money. So it's that risk of, which the government knows is if, if things get long, if things get like more like how they've been in the past then they stand to lose a lot of money. So that's where the power of the strike comes in, in like in the financial part. But then of course, this whole three days, you know, the building momentum, raising awareness kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And can you also just quickly explain what exactly a general unlimited strike is and how that differentiates from the strike that we just had? Yeah, so a general unlimited strike is one that continues on. It's like we had a three-day strike, at least that's what religious studies and mugs and sustainability, science and society voted on, like those three organizations, um, which was like set in stone that it would be a limited amount of time. But general unlimited strikes kind of go on for it's in, indefinite in the amount of time or like un, unlimited in time. And, Sorry, and you have to that. like periodically vote. So yeah, every yeah, yeah. Exactly. Days, you got to keep you vote to make sure that people are still on board and you still continue to, to strike. Yeah. And it just perpetuates just constantly until whatever demands or targets that you have set before beginning the strike are met. Mm hmm. Okay, got it. Um, and now that the strike has uh, has passed, and we can kind of look back on it and reflect, what do you think are the biggest things that you hope to have um, been able to accomplish from these three McGill student departments, alongside various Concordia departments striking from classes? What do you hope are going to be the biggest accomplishments? And we can start with uh, Stefan. Yeah, ultimately, as we've kind of mentioned out throughout this this call here, we've we've looked at what like our localized small scale impacts right now aren't going to change everything, but they're really a stepping stone and a foundation to build off of towards something greater. This is what we've been able to see through these few days is that people when well uh, informed will understand what we're doing, 
um, and that we are, as I said, working for the, for every student, for the people of McGill and the future generations of McGill, um, you know, that we can achieve something pretty great. We can hopefully um, push, continue to push back on whatever government, you know, restrictions that they're trying to put on us or, or, or you know, in this case, tuition increases. Um, and I think one thing that motivated me to really get in, into this right now is given that recently the government has already started uh, clawing back some of their hike, uh, proposed hike to, um, hike increases, tuition increases. And I think that is an important thing that I think we should build off of that momentum. And we can use this as a platform to catalyze that movement towards hopefully pushing them further and further back um, as we see that student voice that I think has been has been missing out of this conversation. So far, we've seen the McGill administration um, and how you know the institutions are being affected by this, but less so the focus on the students themselves. Um, universities are fundamentally linked to their students. And so by kind of excluding their voice or not having enough of a understanding on what people, students feel, um, I think is a major um, is a major problem. And that's something that we're trying to address through these is really getting that, um, you know, collective student voice out there and getting that across to the government, understanding that we are not going to stand down and we are affected to an extent to where we are motivated and forced to make these decisions um, so we can really fight for our student body. Mm -hmm. And Rian, what do you hope to have accomplished uh, from these strikes? Um, yeah, I think just the the awareness um, and also the understanding that just because the government passes a, a policy, it doesn't mean that we have to just sit back and accept it. Um, we live in a democracy and I feel like something like a strike, a student strike is democracy in action. It's uh, many people saying that we will not stand for this, um, for something that we perceive to be injustice. Um, and I just hope like at McGill, which is not as not as activism oriented as Concordia, for instance, like what we saw is like 10,000 students on strike at Concordia and 500 here. Um, but I'm hoping that this will show the student body at McGill that um, we can still like stand up for ourselves here. And it's not going to have, you know, I think a lot of students are really worried about um, the consequent, the personal consequences of any sort of activism, um, participating in these actions um, doesn't have a necessarily a super negative personal um, consequences um, for students. And that if we go on strike in the future, I'm just hoping that more departments will be involved and more students will be involved in going to those general assemblies, um, meeting quorum and voting to strike. Um, and that would be a brilliant thing to see. I hope, you know, our departments have inspired others to follow suit if another strike is called in the future. Mm -hmm. And Emma, what about you? What do you really hope to have accomplished from all that we've done for the past few days? I mean, I think they kind of hit the nail on the head there. Um, same thing, like getting other departments to be involved. At least I know that, like, SMU in particular had said that they would not be holding like a general, like a strike assembly, but that rather they were encouraging other departments, like smaller departments to do so. And I'm kind of on board with that of getting your own personal departments to hold those strike assemblies, vote on a strike, just because it's, it's in my mind, easier to reach people when it's just 
a lot like a step down a level down and obviously we could be supported by AUS and SUS and SMU um but that it's it's just almost more personable if if it's at a department level um so yeah that's kind of that was kind of my my hope with this is getting more people aware and involved and hopefully agitated also to continue on because we don't want it to just stop here we want it to keep going and keep growing because the government is not backing down yet so neither will we mm -hmm. <laughs> and your departments have certainly gained a lot of experience now in terms of strikes and student mobilization and certainly from our conversations it seems like that you've also learned a lot of lessons that can definitely be applied to future student activism however that might look so I definitely think that no matter what the next stages of student activism and mobilization will be, I definitely think that it looks like you'll have a lot to offer and contribute. And that brings down to our uh, conversation with our student leaders. I really want to thank all three of you so much for being here and chatting with us. And thank you all for the, the effort that you've been putting in to protect student rights and to fight against the, uh, the tuition hikes. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. And that was our episode on the recent McGill student strikes in response to the tuition increases. I'd like to thank Jackie, Emily Hardy, Emma Reddy, Stefan Papik, and Rian Passad for sharing their perspectives. And thank you all so much for listening. Again, I am Andrew Wei, and this was the McGill International Review Podcast. Mm -hmm.